Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Sportsmore's new football podcast, The Dugout. I'm Pascal Lemaire and I'm here with Barney Corkill. On this week's pod, we'll be discussing the latest January transfers, whether Chelsea are in a relegation battle and much more. Barnes, let's start at the top with the title race. Just one point separates the top three after 22 games. Who's favourite for you? Well, for me, I think it's still Man City. I know they're, they're third place. They're one point behind Arsenal and Leicester at the moment. But I think when they get a full, fully fit team back, a fully fit squad, obviously we don't know when that's going to be because company, there's still a big question over him. But I think the title race could more or less hinge on when he does come back because the record with him this season has been superb defensively. But without him, it's been dreadful. And I think... Once he once he's there, he not only gives confidence to the defenders around him, but the spine of the team is so much stronger. They've had some key injuries, the likes of Silva's been injured this season, Aguero's been injured this season. You're talking about their best players there as well. So once they get that fully fit squad, I think they would be favourites for me if they do get that fully fit squad at any time of the season. I think the likes of Arsenal and Leicester have, have sort of taken advantage of the fact that Man City haven't been at their best because they haven't been fully fit, obviously. Arsenal have had their injury problems as well and I do think this current squad has got a bit more about them than a lot of additions in the past that the ones that you know generally fell away in January or something got knocked out of pretty much every cup competition and then ended up battling for fourth rather than the title I think this one's got a bit more about them than that than than those teams but for me I, I still think they're second best of Man City when both sides have a fully fit squad I think Arsenal certainly will push them all the way but for me Man City get the edge and Leicester you know they've they've gone off the boil recently. We always said what would happen if Mahrez and Vardy both went off the boil, and that has happened recently. They've only mm-hmm. scored as a team two goals in the last five games, only won one of the last five games. But I still think they deserve to be in contention. They deserve to be in the argument because they've only lost two games all season, which is the the lowest in the Premier League. So, and they've 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 shown throughout the first half of the campaign that they have got the quality to cause problems. So I certainly think they deserve to be in contention. But I think for me, Man City are the favourites. Yeah, I think you know a couple of weeks back, Arsenal they were sort of the market leaders, but now City their favourites with the bookies at about evens. And just looking at the odds for Leicester, there they're still you know well well odds on to get a top four finish, which you know I've seen most of Leicester's recent games. And I have to say that yeah, like you said, they really haven't impressed me. You know they drew at Villa, um, Mares missed that penalty, and you know Vardy's really gone off the boil after that obviously incredible scoring run that he had. And I just think that I mean they did get that win at Spurs, uh, which was really out of the blue. But you know I watched I watched that game and. Uh, they really didn't do much, and they really hung on. Spurs, you know, they hit the bar through Kane, and you know, Leicester nicked it with that. It was a great header from Hoof from that corner, but they didn't really do enough for me. And when you look at, I think the teams, you know, there's only a, a point separating those two. But when you look at the teams behind Spurs, they're only five points uh, behind Arsenal, Leicester, and even I know United. You know, they, you know, there's so much pressure on Van Gaal, and they still haven't really played that well. But you know, they went and won at Anfield. That was a pretty impressive win they got there, and they're only seven points behind the top, which really isn't that much when you consider. How you know unconvincing you know Arsenal they were rubbish against Stoke the other day. I mean they they, they didn't have Özil or Sanchez there and they they seem to really lack you know that either that sort of firepower and attack or the creativity that Özil brings. And I, I mean I wasn't too convinced about Arsenal and like I said I think City 
I think they they should be favourites at the moment, but I think you certainly can't. I, I don't think it's just a three horse race. I think Spurs and United are definitely in it, and then below that you'd probably say it's probably going to be one of these five teams. And the way Leicester in playing recently, I can't really see it being them to be honest. Yeah, I think with the Arsenal point, the fact that they drew against Stoke, it wasn't a good performance by them, but in years gone by, they probably would have lost that match. They've got a terrible record at the Britannia, and again, that goes back to me saying I think they've got a bit more about them. Generally, over the past few years, during that nine-year trophy jump before they won the FA Cup the last two seasons, it was always, once they had a setback, they struggled to recover from that, whether that was injuries or a loss of form, but... You know, this season they they've done well at recovering from setbacks like that. In November they had a bit of a blip, but they've bounced back. They've been in fantastic form over the last couple of months. You know, the Champions League when they lost their first few games and looked destined to go out, they they battled through. I don't think they've got much of a hope against Barcelona in the next round. I've got to be honest, but they certainly they did very well to battle through against all the odds after losing their opening two games. And then even recently on Boxing Day when they were beaten four 0 by Southampton, you know Southampton went into that match in dreadful form. Arsenal were in very good form. Not many people expected a home win in that, but they got Arsenal got absolutely battered 4-0, but then they bounced back with that. They won the next three in a row. Liverpool, two draws in a row recently against Liverpool and Stoke. They, they're probably fortunate to get a draw against Liverpool, considering Liverpool were very much on top in the first half. But again, they showed that they've got a bit of steel about them, which has probably been lacking in recent years. Mm. I was wondering about Spurs, whether whether they can really do it this season, because I think given that there's no one say like Chelsea did last year like really run away with it and I think you look at Spurs you know their next sort of three games there Palace away who are in terrible form themselves Norwich away uh, then Watford at home all three of those you know teams Spurs would really fancy being if they can get nine points out of nine from them and you know maybe some of the other teams uh, drop out I think Spurs they could certainly get in and I think like, like I've said about I think Leicester might drop out a bit I think Spurs could really challenge uh, Arsenal and City for it and I think Kane this season again he's really proved that last season wasn't just a flash in the pan he he hasn't got as many goals as he had last season but he's still about one every other game his record and I think he's really good at holding the ball up and the way that you know we, we talked about their their young core before and how how impressive Pochettino's done there and when you hear the players speak about Pochettino as well he really seems to have won over a lot of players and I think he, he certainly seems to have been an excellent appointment by them and when you see the way that the likes of Deli Alley and even say Eric Lamella he was completely out in the cold in his first season he's really come on and the quality they've got and how solid they are at the back they've got the best defence but I think it's two or three goals they've only conceded 18 I think it is and if you've got that defensive stability and then the young players like, who all look so hungry I, I think Spurs really do have a shot this season Yeah I, I certainly agree that they're dark horses and as you mentioned there is only five points separating them and in this title race that's not too much because the top teams have been dropping points no team has taking the title race by the scuff of the neck which could be open a door for Tottenham if they can build a bit of consistency I'd say draws have probably been their biggest problem they've drawn nine games of their 22 this season if they can turn a few of them into victories then certainly I can see them um, challenging for the title because I'm a big fan of this team, this Tottenham team I think they've got a really nice balance you mentioned their defensive record there but obviously they score goals at the other end with Kane Eriksen got a couple last time out against Sunderland so I think they've got a really good balance, as you mentioned, a really young team. And if they don't challenge for the title this season, it should be good experience because I think they're the youngest squad in the Premier League. I think I'm right in saying that. So seasons to come, if they can keep that squad together, I think the future looks pretty bright for them. Yeah, so you know, it's really good for Spurs. But one team certainly not in it this season are the reigning champions, Chelsea. You know, They've been 
poor consistently. Obviously, lost Mourinho, who led them to the title last season. They are, I mean, since uh, Gus Hiddink uh, came in, they are still unbeaten in him uh, under him. But they've drawn four of the last five, and none of those are coming against the top four either. And I think certainly they haven't really been that convincing. You look at some of their uh, recent results. You know, three of the draws have been really high-scoring ones at home. You know, two-two against Watford. Uh, they drew uh, last weekend as well. And you, when you look at where they are on the table, 14th, um, only four points above the drop zone. You know, people say, oh, Chelsea are never going to be in the relegation uh, dogfight. But the way it's going at the moment, are, are they actually in a relegation battle? I don't think so. I think there is there is too much quality in this Chelsea squad. You ex- you've been expecting them to climb away for a long time and it hasn't really happened yet. But for me, I, I still consider a top four challenge more likely for them than a relegation battle, to be honest. I know they're... 14 really? points I think it is off the top four and it is a big big ask for them to get back into that race but the fact the quality they've got in the team if they start firing you know they've got the quality to go on a good run and just start shooting up the table they've got a bit of a gap uh, to the top half but then that top half is pretty bunched up together up to fifth so I'm expecting still expecting them even though we haven't really seen much proof of it or much evidence that this could happen so far this season and still expect them to go on a bit of a run they do need to improve, though, as you mentioned. Hiddink has come in still unbeaten. I think when he came in, he had the best um, win percentage in Premier League history of managers who had managed 10 games or more or something like that. It was a it was an impressive statistic. And obviously, um, he still only lost one game in both of his spells in charge of Chelsea. But he needs to turn those draws into victories. You mentioned the, the home draws there, the high-scoring ones. Stamford Bridge is not a fortress anymore. For so long, it was just, you go to Stamford Bridge, you don't expect anything. A draw was a very good result, but they've only won four of their 12 league games at home this season. They've only, they haven't won back-to-back at home in the league so far this season. It's just not a fortress anymore. Teams go there and expect to get something. Everton very, very nearly uh, got something last time out there and probably should have got something after John Terry got that offside goal in the, the 98th, 99th minute, something like that. So... It's just not a fortress. They don't hold the fear anymore. They need to get that back, and the only way of doing that is to pick up a few good victories. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking at their fixtures coming up. There's a big one this weekend. You know, if if they are going to maybe try and get up to the top four. I mean, looking at the odds as well. I mean, they're twenty to one to get a top four finish and sixty six to one to go down. So obviously, the bookies agree with you that they think it's more likely um, that a top four finish might be possible. But they go to Arsenal this weekend. That's a real challenge for them. I mean, we know Arsenal haven't been great the last couple of weeks, but to go to the Emirates where you know Arsenal are usually pretty strong, if they can get a win there, I mean, they beat Arsenal earlier on in the season, didn't they? With that, uh, was it Arsenal went down to nine men in that game, yeah. I think, and certainly it's a real test then this weekend if they can really turn some form around because when you look at their recent results, they really haven't been impressive. You know, that game they had against United, you know, United were the better team at Old Trafford that day, and Chelsea really didn't do much there. I mean, the one win they have had in recent weeks that. Uh, Three and a win at Crystal Palace. You know, Palace have been woeful the last few weeks. I don't think you can read too much into that. And like I say, drawing at home to West Brom, drawing at home to Everton, like very fortunate in that. I mean, you could look to the West Brom game and say they were kind of unlucky that both the West Brom goals, just really good hits from uh, Gardner and McLean. But yeah, like I said, it's just not a fortune of Stamford Bridge. And I, I just really can't see them. I can't really see them finishing much higher than, say, maybe eighth potentially this season. I just think that it's going to be quite hard to get the players up for it unless they go on a. I say a run of maybe five, six, or seven wins in a row now because it's like you said. I think it's what is it, fourteen points to the top four. That's mm. that's too big a gap, I think, to uh, to claw back. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it is a big ask, and I would be very surprised if they do make it all the way into the top four. But I just keep coming back to the point where a team with the likes of Hazard and Costa, Terry in there, you know, Oscar, William, William's been fantastic this season. A team with all them in there, they can't be down in the bottom half come the end of the season. It, 
I know they've defied me so far this season, a lot of teams have, but uh, Chelsea, they've just got too much quality, I think, to be languishing down there. I certainly don't think they're really going to be sucked into a relegation battle, and I think Hiddink, he's steadied the ship somewhat, as we say, there needs to be more improvement, but I can see them on an upward turn now, I think. Yeah, one thing Chelsea haven't done so far, actually, uh, is sign a player in January. Them and uh, Villa, uh, the bottom club, they're the only two clubs uh, not to sign anyone. Obviously, two of the bottom, sort of six, seven there, but a lot of the other clubs down there have made a lot of signings. Norwich, the busiest club with five signings. Bournemouth have made three. Um, let's start with Bournemouth. and um, they've, I mean, the three sort of big players they've signed, Afobi, Graben uh, and Iturbe. What do you make of their business? Obviously, Afobi, um, he's, he scored in his second appearance at the weekend. Really good goal against Norwich. What, what do you think make, make of their business? Yeah, very good so far. I think it shows their ambition. It, it shows that they recognise that they need to score a few more goals. Obviously, they've been terribly unlucky with Callum Wilson getting injured for the season early on in the season and Max Gradle you put in there as well in that bracket so I think they did need some attacking reinforcements and Afobi it didn't work out for him at Arsenal when he was young but he's been superb in the lower leagues he's been an absolute goal machine uh, for MK Dons and Wolves so I think that was a signing that was always on the books really I thought a Premier League team would get him and Bournemouth have got him they spent a, a good amount of money on him but his debut I don't know if you remember he missed a couple mm. of really good chances yeah, yeah. I think that might have been debut nerves he showed um, with his goal in the second game that that was just a clinical finish that was a, a striker who knows instinctively what to do and it was a really clean hit really clean finish I think getting that first goal out of the way will be really important for him I think he's going to be a very shrewd signing and he might even be the difference between them staying up and going down his goals if he can contribute 10 or so before the before the end of the season that would be a very good strike rate for uh, for Bournemouth but he's capable of doing it he's shown it in the lower league so far and then to bring in uh, Graben as well gives him a bit of depth in um, up front as well so I think very shrewd business so far from Bournemouth Yeah I think the thing with clubs like Bournemouth and Norwich as well I mean the amount of money they're spending is you know, quite scary I think for you know clubs down there because if they do go down, they really could be. I mean, I know Bournemouth. You know, they they did break uh, financial fair play regulations last season, but, but they can't really have an embargo because they're the football league's financial fair play, not the Premier League. So, I mean, if Bournemouth come down, I think that's that. They know that if they come down, uh, they could be in real trouble uh, with a, with a fine embargo. So I think uh, for them and the clubs like Norwich, it, if they can stay up this season, it's huge. Not only for that reason, but also I think there's a new TV deal uh, coming in, which if you do stay in the Premier League, the windfall from that is absolutely massive. Um, so I think with, with the amount of money that the uh, likes of Bournemouth and Norwich are spending, it's I think it's it's all about trying to stay up this year. And then if you do stay up, you, you know that you're gonna not write it off, but you know that you're gonna get a big uh, big payoff when this new TV deal kicks in. So I think that's that's kind of the thinking at the moment behind all their spending. But um, they certainly are you know laying it out. Even Norwich I saw earlier they've spent 20 million already in January. The biggest of those being um, the signing of Stephen Naismith for eight and a half million, which seems a lot for a player who's been in the cold at Everton. I mean, he's had his moments, you know, he had that hat-trick after coming on uh, against Chelsea earlier on in the season, but it seems a lot of money for a player um, who, yeah, like I said, hasn't had much football recently, although, you know, certainly I think he could have his moments at Norwich, and they've they've lacked a, a regular striker all season long, Norwich, really, so what do you make of that, sign? Yeah, I think that's a lot of money to splash on Naismith. I, I don't think he is an out-and-out goal scorer like Norwich need, I think, when you compare that signing to that of Benekophobi, similar amounts, I'd, I'd have a phobia all day, all day long. Naismith, mm. for me, a couple of seasons ago, 
I earmarked him as one of the most average players in the Premier League. He, just, he runs a lot, he puts work in, but he's, he hasn't got that moment of quality. He's proved me wrong a bit over the last couple of seasons. He's he's a bit better than I initially thought he was. Obviously, you mentioned that hat-trick against Chelsea, the highlight of his Premier League career so far, and he's he can pop up with the odd important goal. He, he did so uh, for Everton earlier this season quite a few times. He always seemed to be getting on the score sheet, and they always seem to be pretty important goals to win Everton points. But for... £8.5 million, pounds. it's a lot to spend on them for, as you mentioned, a team down there in trouble and if it goes wrong, they could be in really, really big trouble, so it's a gamble, I think it's a lot of money to splash on him and for me personally yeah, I'd rather have a phobia than him I think Bournemouth have done better in that sense Yeah, and then you see that uh, Southampton signed Charlie Austin for less than half of what Norwich paid for yeah. Naismith, you know, £4 million for Charlie Austin, who was it 16 goals he got uh, when QPR got relegated last season? Uh, top English goal scorer in the Premier League, I think he was. I mean, I know Southampton, they were able to get him you know, relatively on the cheap because um, his contract's up in the summer. So, you know, QPR just wanted to get something for him now as opposed to uh, nothing for him in the summer. But I think you have to say with Southampton, that looks like a fantastic piece of business for them. And it's weird, Southampton's striking situation, I think, because obviously. Recent weeks, Pella, he's, I mean, he's been injured, but then on uh, just at the weekend, he was on the bench. Shane Long preferred to. He's, he's, Pella's really gone cold, and he doesn't seem to be the first choice anymore. Now that they've signed Austin, there seems to be a lot of depth uh, up front for Southampton. I think he certainly would be one of the best signings of the window so far. Yeah, I think that's a very good buy from them. As you mentioned, they have got options up front. I think Pele's been on the bench because Long, he's, he hasn't been able to be dropped so far. He's been, he's been playing pretty well. He scored a few goals, so no reason to take him out of the team I'd still think Pele would probably be the first choice when uh, when in normal in normal circumstances perhaps when Long isn't in such good form but Austin will certainly push him for that as you, as you mentioned he's got pedigree in the Premier League he's proved he, that he can score goals here before heavily linked with a move at the start of the season but um, to get him in January for £4 million is a very good deal as well as you mentioned compared to some of the other uh, signings the big money the likes of Bournemouth Norwich and Newcastle I've spent so far. I think four million for him is a very, very good deal. Yeah, you mentioned Newcastle there. They've made two uh, two signings: John Joe Shelby and uh, Henri Savet. I think Shelby he certainly looks like a really good one. I think at, at the weekend on his debut, he plays well for Newcastle's uh, two goals in that game. He played two excellent passes in the build-up um, for those two. And it was weird what he said about the Swansea situation. How you know last season Swansea got their uh, you know highest ever points tally in the Premier League, and he was a key part of that. And Gary Monk, but. You know, he said he didn't ask to leave Swansea, and he said that um, you know he just he'd just been told that it wasn't really part of Alan Curtis's plans at Swansea, and you have to wonder there why they've sold a player who's you know recent England call up, certainly one of the more you say dynamic English midfielders about at the moment. I think he'd be a great signing for them. I think it's absolute madness for Swansea to sell him. I've, I've rated him pretty highly since his Liverpool days. You can see him improving. I, I can see a lot of Steven Gerrard in him. Obviously, he's not that quality um, at the moment. I don't think he ever will get to that quality, but I can see a lot of the same characteristics in him. He likes to drop deep sometimes, be the playmaker, and then sometimes get forward. He's, he can ping a ball 50, 60 yards right to where he wants it, as he showed at the weekend. Mm. I think he's a very good player. I think £12 million is a lot of money for him, but I think for Newcastle, to not only to, uh, to get him, but to take him away from one of their... Uh, relegation rivals as well I think that's a very good bit of business and for the life of me I cannot see why Swansea I can't see why Swansea even wanted to get rid of him I think he's one of their better players he's certainly good enough uh, better than a 17th place team if if they're going to get out of the relegation battle they need to keep players like him and I think he's he's the quality of player who would be able to do that obviously there seem to be questions over his attitude Alan Curtis was pretty critical of him throughout his reign saying 
you know, his his performances have not been up to scratch so far for Swansea, but still, when he's on his game, he can be a match winner, he can be a difference maker, and I think for Swansea to even consider getting rid of him, yet alone to one of their relegation rivals, is absolute madness from them. Mm. I think, yeah, we talk about, I mean, Newcastle, their two signings, I mean, they've, they, we'd say they look pretty good, but apart from their, I mean, their northeast rivals, Sunderland, I wouldn't be uh, all that convinced by their two signings. I mean, Darme and Doy, uh, the striker they brought in on loan from Trabs on Sport, he was uh, with Hull uh, last season. He had a couple of goals here and there, but didn't really do much for them. And then the other one, Jan Kirchhoff, obviously pretty good pedigree, the fact that he's been at Bayern Munich for quite a while, but he came on against Spurs at the weekend and well, it was one of the worst debuts in Premier League history. Probably came on for half an hour. Um, yeah, put in a really half-hearted block on Ericsson's shot, which then looped in and then conceded a stupid penalty, which Kane stuck away. I think that, obviously that was a terrible debut for him. And I think the relegation... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Race, you know, as a whole, the way you look at it at the moment. I mean, Newcastle's still down in the bottom three. I mean, they've had two, you know, really impressive results of late. You know, the draw against United and then beating West Ham at home. But they are still down there. Um, in the bottom three and they are third favourite to go down at the moment Newcastle Sunderland and Villa pretty heavy favourites to, to join them but who would you say I mean say I think probably Villa and Sunderland probably doomed at the moment the way they've been playing but who, who do you think probably is going to be that third team at the moment um, I'd certainly agree Villa are doomed even though they, they've had a, a little um, upturn in fortunes recently mm. I think they're, they're dead and buried Sunderland I think have got a bit more of a fighting chance if only for Jermaine Defoe, he's got, he's got the goals that could potentially win a few big, big matches for them. Yeah, and Allardyce as well, I'd say, as well. Just him being in charge, obviously. Yeah, that, yeah that, 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 that should help them, surely. He's got a good pedigree. He's never been relegated before, so he knows how to keep teams in the division. So I certainly think they're still in the race. I, having said that, I would have them as one of the three to go down. Of the other teams, I think Bournemouth, as I mentioned, they've done good enough business to uh, to stay up. Swansea, I think, with the likes of a U, Sigurdsson, um, I think they're probably got just enough to stay up. And Newcastle, the same now that they brought in Shelby and Vinaldum has been very he's good. Been so great, far. Yeah, yeah, he's been very good so far this season. So I think he, they've got the quality. So I think my third team would probably be Norwich. I don't think they've got a, enough of a focal point. The striker is something that they're really lacking um, at the moment, and I don't think Naismith is going to solve those problems. So for me, I think Norwich would be the 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 one to join Sunderland and Aston Villa. But it's going to be a close battle. I think all of them, apart with the probable exception of Villa, have got a real fighting chance of staying up as well. Yeah, I think with Norwich, they they'd be my favourite to go down at the moment, just because I mean I I've, I've been really impressed with Bournemouth this last sort of couple of months. I know I mean that win they had over Norwich was their first in a little while, but. They really impressed in December and that game against Norwich at the weekend, they completely dominated them in that one and really looked a class above Norwich there. And I think, for me, it's going to be uh, probably Norwich or Swansea uh, to join the other two. I think Newcastle, like you said, just, yeah, I mean, they, they haven't really had enough wins recently, but uh, the quality they have, I think, with their players and uh, certainly across the park, I think they look pretty good, Newcastle. I think they should get out of it, but Swansea... Probably for me and Norwich. I mean, Swansea. What's what's your thoughts on the whole managerial situation? Obviously, they've just appointed um, 
Francisco Guidala, who never managed in England before. Quite a very experienced coach, but it was an odd situation in the sense that you know they sacked Monk and then they went after Bielsa and uh, he went to South America, the chairman, looking for a coach, and they couldn't sort out a deal. And then you know then they gave it to Curtis, who was just the interim originally, but now he's then they said right, you've got it to the end of the season, and now he hasn't been able to turn around results and they've given it to uh, Guidala. It just seems it seems obviously very desperate, but I think they've handled it quite poorly. What's your take? Yeah, it's a strange situation. I mean, obviously, he wasn't their first choice. Bielsa was, and then there was talk about Carvajal, there was talk about Rodgers maybe coming back. I don't think uh, Guidelan would have even been on the original shortlist, been quite a way off the original shortlist. So, yeah, I think it does smack a bit of desperation. It's a, Alan Curtis, He his first few games in charge, you know, there were signs of improvement, that things look, started looking a bit better, but then as soon as he got the role full-time um, until the end of the season, sorry, that things started to tail off a bit and it, to do it so quickly I think was quite strange it didn't really give him time to turn things around he was always saying that he would still welcome a new manager coming in and that's perhaps why Hugh Jenkins went for it but to to make the announcement that he would stay until the end of the season as interim manager and then bring in someone I think it was two games later it's quite strange I think but as far as Francesco Gridlin is concerned I think he's a bit of an unknown quantity Ashley Williams said after the win over Watford that he had to google his name find out yes. a bit about him and I think that's the same for most people. He is an unknown quantity in the Premier League, which, you know, it's a, it's a difficult league to to um, uh, hit the ground running in, really. I think he's got a big job on his hands to do that. The experience as of being a manager, I think, will be a key. That's something um, Alan Curtis didn't have, and I think if Alan Curtis and him can combine their strengths, then it could be a decent team, because his pedigree is certainly good. He's had a lot of teams, as you mentioned, very experienced. Udinese was probably where he had his best times. He uh, guided them to fourth in his first season and third in the Serie A, which is equal their best ever finish in the league. So he certainly got pedigree. They finished ahead of the likes of Juventus in those um, in those seasons and got them into the Champions League. So he's got experience. He can, he can turn teams around. He can overachieve with teams perhaps. But as I say, it's going to be a, a, a question of waiting to see how he gets on because he is an unknown quantity. I think he, I think he does need to hit the ground running because... We've mentioned the teams around them starting to pick up a few more points. Even Aston Villa at the bottom have started to pick up a few more points. So it's important that he does make a quick start. But it's an interesting appointment for sure. Yeah, I think with Swansea, they're just going to... I mean, I think they're just probably going to hope that the... I mean, the bulk of their squad that did obviously did so well last season is, is still largely there. I mean, I think they just hope that they can sort of eventually sort of outlast you know the others and hopefully their, their quality proves. But I think the biggest mistake they've made the last... You know, year and a half really is is never replacing uh, Wilfred Bonny. I think he, you know, we talked about you know that, that they did so well in the sense that I think it was last January they sold him to City and that they didn't really go for a replacement uh, with all that money they had. And then we were sort of wondering, you know, who who are they going to sign in the summer to really replace him? Because even though Baffertimi Gomez he's had his odd moments here and there, I think he just he, he's really not that good a striker. I think he he looks quite clumsy a lot of the time. I, AU's come in and scored a few goals then, but. You know he's not really an out-and-out striker in the same way Bonnie was, and you know Bonnie was really excellent for them, and they just never, they never really replaced him. I think that was their uh, their sort of biggest failing in the last couple of years, and the fact. I, I mean, I still think you know Saki Monk really was a a surprise decision. And when you, you you just wonder what the players must be thinking about, like, like you said about Ashley Williams there, like having to having to you know they only just found out, and then they had to they were obviously sitting in the dressing room googling, oh who's this guy who's going to be our new manager and. Yeah, a bit of a weird situation, but he was there, um, Guy Delain, on a Monday night, watched the win over Watford, and um, Watford, they're one of uh, sort of three teams we earmarked that, you know, really, 
just struggling at the moment. What do you make of what's going on at Watford? You know, they've not not won in five games, lost four in a row. Yeah, I'm quite concerned for Watford to be honest. I think they certainly overachieved the first half of the season, but I think they've got largely a Championship team, but they've got two strikers who belong in the top half of the Premier League and perhaps a goalkeeper who belong in, belongs in the top half of the Premier League. Between them, you know, there hasn't been much change from the side that got promoted from the Championship. I think the reason they got promoted from the Championship was mainly Carlo and Dini and perhaps Gomez at the other end. So to come in and do so well, there was talk after the 3-0 win over Liverpool that made it four wins in a row. There was whispers of a, a, a top four challenge I remember the <laughs> the question being asked in the interview after because they went within I think it was one point of the top four after mm. that victory so it was, it was probably a, a deserve because they were in very good form they were looking full of confidence and even the matches after that drew against Chelsea they looked good in that one lost to Tottenham lost to Man City but again looked decent in that one gave good teams a really really uh, tough run of it and obviously Man both City really late won goals that in one. those games yeah. as well Tottenham and Man City, City. Yeah. yeah, to get late goals to win it. So it was not a clear win. The, the last two games will really be a concern, though, and losing that confidence. They haven't played well in either of their last two games. Lost both of them, obviously. Lost four in a row now. Southampton was probably their worst performance of the season, but they weren't much better against Swansea on Monday night. Just never really got going. Uh, Iqalo, he's been so good all, all season, but he didn't really get a sniff at goal. And, yeah, I'm a bit worried for them. I think... As I mentioned, they have been overachieving with the team they've got. They rely very much. We mentioned it throughout the first half of the season. What happens if Carlo stops scoring? If Dini stops setting them up? That seems to have happened lately, and they don't really have an answer to it. I think losing confidence will be big for them. Um, they're bottom of the form table at the moment, so they've got to have lost a lot of confidence. Mm. For me, I, I, th- I can see them sliding down the table. I don't see them being dragged necessarily right into the relegation battle, but. I don't see them scaling the heights that they did in the first half of the season either. No, I think the thing with them is that, you know, the amount of signings they've made the last couple of seasons, it's just, there's so many. And the way it was all going at the start of the season, you know, winning games, scoring goals, it was a real feel-good factor. But now, when you've got a lot of characters in the dressing room, you don't have a lot of experience playing together, a lot of, you know, a lot of um, foreign players in there. Some of them won't be able to speak English all that well. I think this is when, you know, when times aren't going so well, when it, when a team like that that's kind of, been cobbled together all different players from all different leagues you know in quite a short space of time it's when you might just lose your rhythm and that's when you've kind of you've seen that like you said against Swansea on Monday night they've really they seem to lack ideas and I mean you've got Dean Inigala who we know work really well up front but if the rest of the team doesn't really isn't working as one like it was at the start of the season then you've got to worry about them and Talk about Watford's form, no winning five. Palace have got the same record, no winning five. They've lost three in a row as well. I mean, they've, they're, they're two points better off than Watford in the table, but they're, they're similarly, you know, really dropped off the last few weeks. And you've just got to wonder about, because some of their results really have been quite poor as well, and they were looking so good, uh, especially away from home in the, at the start of the season. But it just hasn't been the same in recent weeks. And you just think that probably the European push that was getting talked about maybe earlier on in the season might be out of the question now. I personally, I think Palace have got enough to stay in the top half and stay pushing for those um, positions, those European positions. Obviously, their recent form hasn't been great, but they not quite this bad. But they have been through pretty poor spells under Pardew as well, and they usually end up winning a game out of out of nowhere that people don't really expect them, and then going on a bit of a run as well. So they mm. do go on these these peaks and troughs really, and I think. Th- it certainly hasn't helped him in recent weeks being without Yannick Bellassi. He's been injured for a while. They've had mm. um, 
Johan Kabay was suspended for a game as well. He's their top scorer this season, so it hasn't helped them. I think the big concern for them will be they haven't scored in five games. I think they'd expect the results to start coming as soon as they start getting goals again. And for me, we, we talked about transfers so far, but they need to bring in a, a, a good centre forward. If they've got a fully fit side with those exciting players and a top class centre forward, I would back them to push for a top four place. I think they're that good a team and I think Pardew's that good a manager to, to do that this season. That is when other teams are dropping off the likes of you know Liverpool and Chelsea way down the table and um, United not look, looking all that convincing. I think this could be a chance for them to really challenge for top four if they can get a top class striker in uh, in the January transfer window. The fact that none of their registered uh, recognised strikers this season, including Patrick Bamford who's now left on loan, have scored from open play all season is a terrible record. I think they've got 23 goals in in the league this season and only one of them has come from one of those strikers and that was from the penalty spot. So yeah. that's a terrible record. They've been relying on the likes of Balassi, Zahar, Punchin. Um, their defenders score a lot of goals as well. The mm. likes of Scott Dan and uh, Delaney get a really good threat from set pieces. But they need that focal point. Um, as you say, some poor results lately. Weren't very good against Chelsea after conceding the first goal. To lose against Aston Villa when pretty much everything pointed to them winning that match. Their away record, Villa's home record. Um, really disappointing result and then got well beaten by Man City. Although 4-0 was probably a little harsh. They were still well beaten in that match. So there are concerns in terms of results and goals. But I think they've got enough about them to uh, come back from this. And certainly stay in the top half and maybe push for those European places. Yeah, I think one thing about their last sort of couple of results, I mean Wayne Hennessy in goal, he's had a he's had a bit of a torrid time recently. Yeah. It's ex- excellent for them because uh, obviously he he wasn't really well last season. It was Spironi first choice, and then you know Alex McCarthy, who I've been surprised these last couple of seasons McCarthy because he was fantastic for Reading in the Championship. I think two seasons ago he was probably the Championship's best goalkeeper. Uh, then QPR signed him for last season. He didn't get a look in uh, QPR in the Premier League because of Rob Green, and then. I mean, he's made six appearances uh, this season in the Premier League, I think. Um, but Hennessy, he, I mean, he, he was doing so well. Now, he's obviously Wales number one as well, but he's he's looked a little shaky the last few weeks. And I mean, that's there's a few problems there. And yeah, you mentioned the strikes. I mean, that Wickham penalty that he took, I think it was a Stoke. I mean, the only reason he took that, I think, was because Kabai wasn't playing. So the striker, like the strikers, like you said, a real real problem issue for them. But I mean, the other team with earmarks here for you know been doing quite poorly in uh, recent weeks are Everton, who you know we really thought you know I think it was about three months ago when they finished that terrible run of fixtures they had, and we really thought they were going to because they they got some decent results, quite a few draws, and we really thought they might you know really push on uh, and maybe sort of push towards the top four just because of how you know exciting some of the football they played was. But you look at their recent record; it's just one win in nine Premier League games, and that that win they did get was that uh, one at Newcastle when cleverly scored the was it ninety fifth minute with that looping head of uh, just after a corner. So, without that sort of you know somewhat fortuitous uh, late winner there, you know they wouldn't have won a game last night. I mean, I know they've been unlucky if you flip it the other way, and obviously they should have uh, won at Chelsea at the weekend, bar that uh, Terry offside. But I'm really surprised that Everton haven't really pushed up the table um, I mean they're still in the League Cup you know uh, obviously take a lead to City uh, for that second leg that's coming up soon but the way they've been going in the league's really really surprised me recently yeah me as well it's quite a difficult one to grasp of Everton because if I was an Everton fan I'd be pretty excited about this team right now because they're, mm. they've got a lot of youthful talent they've got a lot of attacking talent as well Lukaku's been in fantastic form this season De La Felo looks very bright every time he goes forward Barkley has been has arguably had his best season so far so there's a lot to be excited about but it's 
defensively, particularly defensively at home as well. They've got one of the best uh, defensive records away from home in the division, but at home they just ship far too many goals. And I know there's been big questions over Tim Howard. The fans aren't happy with him. Whether they decide to replace him, it'll probably be at the end of the season. I can't see them doing it in January. will be interesting to see. But defensively is certainly where they need to improve. And you look at the wins they've got this season, the only one against a top-half team... Um, was against Southampton on the second day of the season. Southampton themselves have only just mm. got into the top half of the table. All the others, the last three have all come against the bottom three. Uh, as you mentioned, that one very at the death against Newcastle was the only one in the last nine. So there are certainly concerns. It's a it's a question that's be tough to answer for Roberto Martinez because a lot of the things he would have seen, he'd be very happy with going forward against Chelsea. As you mentioned, they were they were impressive going forward yet again, but then. Just defensively, they need to get let down. They need to improve the balance in the side, um, and that's up for Martinez to do. Really, on the on the training ground, maybe bring in a few players in the January transfer window as well. But personally, I think the future is quite good for Everton. I think if I was a fan, I would be quite excited by them. But right now, there are questions that need answering because their results haven't been good enough. Yeah, the one thing I'd say about them though is what happens if they finish the season, you know, tenth in the table, um, not a good enough finish, and you know, there's going to be, without doubt, bids for Lukaku, uh, for Barkley, for Stones. You know, they're three brightest young players. You know, maybe Delafeu, if he keeps going the way he's, maybe Barca might come in with that uh, buyback option they've got. And I just, you do worry for them if the if they don't get a decent finish in the league. I mean, the one thing they probably need to do if they want to hang on to any of these players is win is win a trophy. I mean, they've if they've got that lead uh, over City in the League Cup um, semi final that's coming up next week, the second leg at the Etihad and. They're still going. They're still in the FA Cup. They've got Carlisle away in the next round, so that's a, a fairly easy. I think the one thing they have to do probably uh, is win a trophy because the way they're going at the moment, uh, you can't really see them. Well, they they need to really improve their Premier League form if they're going to get uh, a Europa League place. Or I can't. You can't really see them uh, getting into the top four because of their uh, struggles recently. But I really think they need to win a cup. And obviously, it's the thing the club. You know, it's, it's twenty one years. I think it is since they won the FA Cup in ninety five. So. I think that's the one thing they have to do this season. And that League Cup game uh, at City next week is absolutely massive. Yeah, it is. And obviously getting the win in the first leg is, is a big, big result for them. And I don't think the the prospect of winning the Cup can really be underestimated for them because it's been too long for a club of their size to be without a trophy. As you mentioned, 21 years is not really good enough. And yeah, now you mentioned it, it could have a big say on whether a couple of players uh, stay at the club. I think if they buy into the project, whether, you know... Martinez is going to be there if they do finish uh, in the bottom half of the table for example I know there are, are a few question marks over him even though he's got the exciting attacking style going defensively there are question marks over him so it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season if they do win a trophy and if they don't win a trophy if they can keep this squad together though as I mentioned I think the future's quite bright for them to be honest next season I think you could see them pushing for certainly top 5-6 and maybe even top 4 I think the one thing with them, maybe they just need to. And I'm not sure who uh, the like defensive coach is for them, but you, I mean, Martinez is obviously working wonders going forward, and they've got obviously a really good formula uh, for attacking football at the moment. But you just think maybe they need to bring in like a new, uh, a new assistant coach or a new first team coach to really help them iron out those problems at the back. Because you know you would have thought. I mean, even recently, you know, Jagielka's come back and uh, Baines has come back as well in recent. I mean, they haven't had Coleman uh, the last couple of weeks, but. If you you know penciled in their back four there, um, you would have said it's a pretty strong one. I know there's a couple of uh, you know quite young players there, and well Stones is definitely, but 
I think certainly, and obviously Funes Mori's uh, new to the Premier League as well, but um, I've just been really surprised at how poor they have been defensively because on paper you'd think it would be you know, a pretty decent defence. Yeah, and they haven't really made any major howlers either. It hasn't been like they've been making mistakes every single week that directly lead to goals. It's just, I think they're a bit, maybe it's the whole style of the whole team. You know, maybe Lukaku needs to chase down more from the front, uh, start that defence from the front and the attacking midfielders need to do the same but I think the style they play it's an open attacking style it's very exciting if they're going to if they're going to um want this attacking exciting attacking football then they probably do need to uh, sacrifice a bit of defensive solidity but certainly not as much as they have done they've got unlucky a few times think about to the Chelsea game on Saturday there was a deflection for the uh, second Chelsea goal I think it was so yeah. they have got unlucky at times and there haven't been that big hours but something is wrong there defensively for them and something does need to change yeah it definitely does and I think you, know, well, you look at this weekend's fixture they've definitely got a good chance uh, to get a good result there against Swansea at home and I think obviously that should probably be a quite an easy game for them but then it's uh, Giedland's first match in charge isn't it with Swansea so uh, that could maybe throw something into the mix but um, that's all we've got time for this week thanks a lot Barnes and thanks very much for listening um, be sure to head to the website sportsmile.co.uk uh, throughout the weekend for live commentaries match reports uh, reaction and more uh, we'll be back next week with the podcast see you then mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.